Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. We're having a very special episode today. I am Ben Popier, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, joined, as I often am, by my wonderful collaborators, Cassie Williams and Matt Kiernander, as well as my wonderful collaborator, Kyle, who Hello. I got to meet at our All Hands earlier this year and who will be joining me next week at the next JS conference in San Francisco. So hello, everybody. Hello. hello, Kyle, can you just give, because Cassidy and I and Matt have been on the show many, many times, but for folks who are listening who haven't heard from you before, give us just a quick rundown, what brought you into this world and, and what you were working on before you came to Stack. Yeah, absolutely. I've been here since January. I absolutely love it. I'm on public platform, which means if you have used Stack Overflow, and you have not given us any money, then you have engaged with the public platform side of things. So that's probably most users. <laughs> yeah. That is our, in our product-led growth, that is the product that we kind of market out front and say, hey, there's a private instance that we can actually make money off of behind the scenes. So certainly as a developer for like the last 10 years, that's the core product that I knew and loved, fun to contribute to. It's so fun to like be part of the organization and then open up the engine and kind of see all the stuff behind the scenes that like you didn't even realize ran Stack Overflow. I think there are some takes online that Stack Overflow, it's like, yeah, it's a question and answer site. And I could spin that up in a weekend. And there's so much complexity and scale at delivering that. And then there's also a lot of community here and building tools for the community that Mm. allows you to maintain a site with 70 million posts, right? You can't do that unless you have a ton of moderation, a ton of community effort. And that's really the silent driver behind a whole bunch of, if you go to a well-curated page, that is not accidental. That's intentional through a lot of community hours of volunteering and a lot of tools to unlock being able to do that. Uh, yeah, I've been doing like web dev, kind of full stack web dev in C sharp stack. So like in the .NET world, which is what we use here. So that's a good fit for my experience. Been doing that for about 10 years and eight and a half of which was with the Department of Health. That was kind of my first ever dev gig and cool. uh, was there for a long time. And we built a lot of in-house applications to maintain our various programs and offerings. Nice. So this is a fun thing for the pod. Next.js conference invited us to come and interview some cool folks about all the news they're making and all the people who are going to be there. They acquired a couple companies and they're talking about how they're going to use them. They got some fun stuff happening with React and they've got folks who are coming from other companies like Google, you know, who are using some of these tools in interesting ways. So I will kick things off because I know the least about all of this stuff, but I do have a little something to say about analytics with the acquisition of Split B. So this has Rizal is bringing GDPR compliant first party analytics to developers. We here at Stack Overflow, I won't give you the full story, had to do a ton of work because of GDPR and Google Analytics. And so it would have been very interesting, I think, to have our own first party analytics in this way that was a little bit more malleable for us that might have allowed us to avoid some of the GDPR headaches to, to even see that like built right into the value proposition and to have myself having gone through it this year seems like, yeah, maybe this is something that is starting to affect people industry-wide where they relied on these huge providers for some of this stuff. But as GDPR raises its ugly head in a number of ways, you want to be a little bit more flexible and a little bit more first party. I don't know. What do y'all think? I am all for better analytics in general, just because with, with GDPR stuff, like 
I think overall it is a good thing. It's just people have haven't been implementing very ergonomic cute solutions to deal with it. Right. And so things like split B, things like plausible analytics, anything that allows you to get the analytics that you need to make better products, but not just harvest data from your users, I think is great. Totally. And I guess I should have said this up top. It says with Split B, integrated universal, data is collected by your own website rather than by Google Analytics. So to be able to be a little bit closer to the system, I think can be quite useful to some websites. Matt, Kyle, anything on this one? Analytics, also very hard to test locally. You usually only turn analytics on in production. So we had a number of challenges rolling this out and testing across like all the different places. So, I mean, that's not probably unique to our previous flavor of analytics, but certainly something that if you get it right and you don't have to change it, that's good. I'm curious as to how the Google ecosystem is, it works fairly well together. And when you're collecting analytics with Google analytics and plugging that through to the various Google products that you've got, if your stack is kind of heavily reliant on that, I'm wondering how Vercel's implementation is going to kind of help facilitate that movement of data as well. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess one other thing I saw here that I thought was interesting is, you know, like there's Lighthouse and, and Google sort of like metrics for what is performant on the web and that can have a big impact on your SEO. So people pay attention to that. But it also would be interesting, they're offering here, you know, a different set of sort of like real experience scores. So you might have something to comp Lighthouse to, and that might be kind of cool to have two data points now about like, what is the user seeing? How long are things taking to load? How many of them are bouncing and stuff like that? I'll be curious to see what this real experience score thing means, just because yeah. it is funny to see some of the talks and presentations people have made saying, I was able to make a completely inaccessible website that has 100% <laughs> Lighthouse score for, for accessibility and stuff like right. that. So any more testing that allows you to do performance accessibility, <laughs> those sorts of things is, is great. Uh, right. That's funny. I think even seeing other non-Google Analytics players in the space is really nice. Like th- This should be yeah. a nice, big, diverse set of analytics providers. To have an analytics provider that's privacy-focused almost feels like a little bit of a, a little bit oxymoronic there, that like analytics is trying to capture every single thing that someone does. But uh, like you can do analytics, I think, in a compassionate way that doesn't mm. that doesn't force your hand to absolutely try to track people. You just want to know how many visitors did I have to this site? Where's the migration yeah. going? If you're looking at things in aggregate, it really doesn't matter who's individually sitting behind the keyboard. And right. making sure you don't collect the data to be able to correlate that, I think, is a good stance to take. Agree. All right. So Cassidy, I know you were excited about some of this stuff. Uh, and here, Next.js 13 brings React innovations to the mainstream. What is the stuff that jumped out to you here? So the main things that have jumped out with Next 13 is, so I'll talk about Next's flaws because I do mm-hmm. like Next.js. But the main things that I have not been a fan of are how much JavaScript it ships to the browser, even with an ultimate bundle, even if, if, where it's a static website even, and it's router in general. It's not very flexible. Next.js 13 improves both of those. (laughs) So I'm always happy to see less JavaScript because JavaScript is great, but it can really make a page bloated in general. And then routing and rendering in general, I think that having better layouts and making them more of a first-class citizen, like a lot of other frameworks like Remix, for example, does, I think is a good thing. And so I'm excited to see that kind of flexibility offered to developers. 
I feel like it wasn't even two days ago where I saw Cassidy on Twitter complaining about the amount of JavaScript shipped with uh, <laughs> with something that I think very, very relevant and on topic. I have opinions. <laughs> Matt, I know you're excited to dig into TurboPack. You want to unpack the TurboPack news here a little bit and then tell us what you, you thought was interesting about it? Yeah, I thought the TurboPack announcement was incredibly cool. So basically, it's built by the creator of Webpack and Vercel, and it's a successor to Webpack. Webpack is something that I've used throughout my career and have had a number of stumbling blocks with and frustrations. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great tool, but it's also quite complex and intimidating, I think, to, to new developers. So it's, it's nice seeing uh, another alternative, and I'm excited to see what they do with TurboPack. So the, the big things around TurboPack specifically is their compiler infrastructure. So it's a Rust-based incremental bundler. The second thing here is I'm not sure if it's one of those, you know, Apple in the video, very guilty of doing this, is saying it's 700 times faster than the last iteration of things that we did. Right. And this time they actually say it's 700 times faster than Webpack. So I'm right. curious in reality uh, how how all these performance optimizations are actually going to impact the end users and us as developers. Yeah, I mean, I should say we're having this conversation and we're excited about the announcements. These are announcements and these are promises. We haven't benchmarked or verified any of this. So we're just talking about, yeah, we got it, We got a little bit of news under embargo. We want to chit-chat about it and share with you. We are not vouching for the 700x claim or any of these <laughs> others, to be, to be clear. It is one of those things, though, where hindsight is twenty twenty. just from a community member perspective. I remember when... Vercel hired one of the Webpack maintainers. People were just like, I wonder why they did that because Vite is so much faster than Webpack. Why, why are they working on Webpack stuff? Just because, I, again, kind of like what Matt said, I, I think a lot of us have played with Webpack throughout our career for better or for worse and <laughs> gets the job done. But I've been very excited about faster build systems and things so that I don't have to rely on it as much. And so it was an interesting move, but Again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Now that we see this coming out, it's all coming together. It makes sense. Cassidy, mm. in the announcement, they said 10x faster than Vite, which means, in French, fast. So we're all 10x <laughs> engineers now. to see right. if it delivers on that. 10 times faster than we'll fast, see. my goodness. Honestly, I'm, I might take back my excitement because I always did enjoy, you know, doing the uh, Webpack build and then going off and getting a coffee. Or just kind of like taking mm. a brain break for a little bit. So if <laughs> right. that takes that away, I don't know. Maybe I stick with Webpack. Who knows? Right. Like that XKCD comic where people are fighting with swords. And it's like, what are you doing? My code's compiling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the compile time is important for decompression. Mm. I will say my kingdom for a fast compiler. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness, the amount of time I have to wait and go like context switch and do something else while I'm trying to get this up and running. Sure. Like you can take a walk break. That's nice. And it's good to have a great excuse for that. But if you can just get into something that you're trying to do actively right away and you don't have to wait a minute for compilation or however long and it goes, there's been a lot of competition and resurgence in fast compilers over the last like year, two years. And it's fun to see competition in that space because that kind of Webpack was the king for a long time and didn't really get dethroned. And it's sitting on old tech and no disrespect to Webpack. It like absolutely built a lot of the web we've seen for the last eight years, but seeing a lot of competition around this in the last two years and people trying to get faster and faster builds. So here for it. That's so exciting. 
It's also really interesting to see just Rust thriving in the web ecosystem. Yeah. TurboPack is built on Rust. And I know that like, I think the Turbo Repo thing that Vercel also acquired is built with Rust. And there's lots of build things that have more and more Rust in the code base. And I assume that is using some WebAssembly or something to compile JavaScripty stuff. But it's interesting to see how much that is thriving in the web ecosystem in general. Yeah, Cassidy, you're definitely right. It says TurboPack is a Rust-based incremental bundle that draws on the lessons of build systems like Turbo Repo. So sounds like you're there right. You go. It'll be great because I think that was just to Carl's point earlier. It was incredibly frustrating when you were in the zone and you were in a flow state and then you kind of you kept on getting held back by these forced breaks where you would get distracted or you'd have to context switch to do something else and if you can kind of like Mm. eliminate that and bring that down to a point where you can still stay within that flow state and you're working and and still incrementing at a faster pace fantastic yeah and it's something where like it's not that slow like i i've i've used (laughs) webpack recently just this week where Yes, it's only like five seconds that I have to wait for something to, for this particular thing I'm thinking of to build, but that adds up over time. And then when I do something similar and it's in Vite and it does it in a second, if that, I'm just like, ooh, speedy, I can just keep going. And so (laughs) once again, anything that makes things faster, anything that keeps improving our dev time is, it's nice. Five seconds is an eternity for you to click away to Twitter or forget what you were doing. Exactly. Exactly. TikTok is a calling. That amount of time gives you permission to click away. It's a very small psychological thing where if you know this thing's going to be up and ready again in a second or two, you don't have that kind of like mental permission to be like, I'm going to go check my email or I'm going to go and respond to that thing that I did earlier on. It it may seem like a very small, almost negligible difference, but I think it does make a, a big psychological impact. Telling on ourselves here. Uh, stack up flow build <laughs> times take at least a minute if you're rebuilding you can get it under a minute if you're building from scratch off just like pulling down a branch for a pr that you are reviewing that can take minute 32 minutes that's a long time if you're yeah. viewing four prs in a day because people have a lot of stuff going on you're trying to just take a poke at that work that takes a long time just to see it just to like understand kind of what it is it can lead to you just kind of like smelling it and being like oh okay i think that's okay and not actually running it actually running code is a really good way to review code and so actually (laughs) like pulling it down and going through the steps if it's two minutes sometimes i'm inclined to just kind of be like okay that looks that looks correct i don't see any problems there so yeah five seconds one second i'll take the improvement but as systems grow and you get really, really big apps. Right. And if it goes from a minute to, to 10 seconds, yeah. that's that's yeah. much better. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where like I'll take any speed improvements we can get so that once you have this big behemoth application you're trying to maintain, it still delivers some kind of dev performance in there. I've got one more thing on TurboPack is that a lot of existing projects when they're built in Webpack, they have their workflows. Everything is, you know, it's been tinkered to the point where it works and people are almost afraid to touch it a lot of the time because they don't want to muck anything up. So I'm curious for when TurboPack does come out and people start playing with it, for anyone who wants to migrate away from Webpack to TurboPack, Mm. what that process is going to look like. Because to Carl's point as well, going from two minutes to 10 seconds, that's a real tangible improvement. But getting the kind of like buy-in to be like, hey, we should try and move this across kind of what that is going to look like as well. I will say, here's my hope in this. I have no clue if this is going to be the case. (laughs) Webpack 
historically very complicated setup, right? Uh, you can do it. Very few people who are working on solutions that use Webpack are actually touching Webpack as part of them doing dev on it. It's usually behind some abstraction layer that somebody else has already set up all the configs, all the sensible starting values. So that Create React Tapped uses Webpack, but it configures that you have to eject out of there to write your own Webpack. It's very hard to actually get into Webpack and configure it. When you create a new Next app, I don't know what it uses now. I'm guessing Webpack, but you don't really touch a lot of that configuration out of the box starter kit. I'm sure people have situations where they do touch that configuration. Here's my hope. Here's what I'm building to. I hope the conversion for Next app users is just go upgrade to the new thing. We've taken care of the conversion behind the scenes. If you stuck with all our defaults, those defaults continue to work. Because mm-hmm. that migration across technologies, you're absolutely right, Matt. Like It can get hairy. It can get complicated. If you set up a lot of custom Webpack routes and like bundlers or like, uh, plugins, right, that can be hard to move to a new build system. But if you're just taking the out-of-the-box build system, hopefully it's just faster and completely transparent to you. If it delivers on that, I'll be super stoked. I do have a question, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, Ben. I saw that it said that it's Webpack built for the web, and and they've made this successor of TurboPack, and it says that it's for enterprise businesses. Is this something that is only going to be available on Vercel for like their enterprise users, or is this something that'll be open source for anyone to try? Well, Cassidy, when I'm chatting with the CEO of Vercel next week, I will be sure to ask him, and I will get you, <laughs> I will demand an answer to that because I don't I did know. catch yes. that too. Yeah, <laughs> I'd pay for a faster build time. That's yes. I'll, I'll say it. It might only be enterprise people who get hit by really, you know, that five second thing. It, it's only if you're at thirty seconds that you actually care. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, for the average user. Yeah, no, it's a good yeah. question, and we'll bring it up. Forgot to mention, had a really fun announcement that we made this week, Overflow Offline, which we're doing Mm -hmm. in partnership with a great nonprofit, Kiwix, trying to just make it easier for folks who are learning to code or working with code in areas where they don't have the internet to have a great offline version of Stack Overflow that is up to date and easy to search and easy to read. So go check out the announcement. I'll put it in the show notes and you can support some great causes or you can check out the open source stuff that Kiwix has and and, uh, make some contributions that way. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for hopping on with me last minute. I appreciate all of your insights on what we've learned and we'll learn a bit more about it next week. And then maybe some of you will get a chance to test drive it or demo it. And we'll see if what they claim actually holds up as well as chatting with some of the folks who are going to be at the conference. So stay tuned for a few episodes in that vein. And if you hear this next week on Tuesday or Wednesday, and there's something you want us to ask, I guess, shoot me a DM on Twitter and maybe we'll, we'll get the chance to ask it. All right, everybody. I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Email us with questions or suggestions. Podcast at Stack Overflow. And if you like the show, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. I'm Cassidy Williams. I'm CTO over at Contenda. You can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things. And I'm Matt Kinanda. I'm a developer advocate here at Stack Overflow. You can find me online on Twitter and YouTube at Matt Kanda, M-A-T-T-K-A-N-D-E-R. And I am Kyle Matowski, a senior software developer here at Stack Overflow. You can find me on Twitter at Kyle Mint. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.